A word from our sponsor, Von Seger Designs is a small Nebraska custom woodworking business making hand-burned customized wood pieces to be a statement in any room. Working with clients every step of the way, from hand-selecting the wood to customizing the design Von Segrin Designs, makes the process as smooth as possible. Specializing in items from themed bar carts and tables to cutting boards and signs so that you can show your team pride all year round. Show your Husker support in a unique and functional way. When you work with Von Segrin Designs, you support small businesses throughout the region. Allow Von Segrin Design to create a custom, fresh, hand-burned piece wood for your home or business. You can link up with them at V-O-N-S-E-G-G-E-R-D-N-E-S-I-1 and at V-O-N-S-E-G-G-E-R-N underscore designs. So check them out on Facebook and Twitter and uh, Instagram as well. Uh, go Big Red, and uh, let's start the podcast. to throw down toward the goal line going up ball tipped in the yes, touchdown Gordon Westerkamp Nebraska wins the game on the final play of the contest oh baby far side back to throw is Martinez not being chased throws it out a flat Burkhead makes a catch sets a tackle 25-20 Rex Burkhead touchdown Nebraska What's going on, everybody? Thanks for joining me here on the Church of the Corn, doing a little earlier than normal because we got football all day to watch. So, uh, yeah, we got to do this in the morning because my Eagles play at three and uh, we'll see what happens from there. I don't know if I should be excited about that because I have to watch the goddamn Cowboys game on instead. Damn Midwesterners. But that's okay. So, Let's go ahead and get into it because we got a ton to talk about today. Um, you know, I'm going to start off with the, the transfer portals because I did a lot of, I mean, watching of uh, highlights and films and different and different shit like that yesterday on a lot of the guys that are coming in. Um, and then I want to go into the coaching staff since we're bringing on more guys. Apparently, I got hired today and didn't even notice it. Uh, I got to check my phone apparently. But let's start off with uh, let's start off with the transfers that are coming in. Um, I'm very excited after watching the film on these guys and highlights and different things like that. One guy that I'm going to start off with, it's Billy Kemp, the fourth. Now this is a receiver slash running back slash slot back. He's played all over the field. So he's a guy that can pretty much do whatever you want him to. Um, and does it at a pretty high level. So he's a sixth year wide receiver from Virginia. Um, you know, he's going to be in Lincoln. He actually, he was in Lincoln, uh, Friday through Sunday of this weekend. So 
he's already doing his official visit and everything. He's he's crystal ball. There's a hundred percent to Nebraska. Um, he's a proven guy. You know, we were all very excited about Trey Palmer coming in last year with his his blazing speed and you know coming from LSU having that tie to Mickey Joseph. Um, you know, he was a really exciting prospect with very little production at that point. Billy Kemp the fourth is the opposite. He seems to be a guy that a lot of people are really not taken seriously or kind of looking down on because of his stature. Uh, and I don't know if it's where he's played or, or, or really what it is, but you know, he, he's got 192 career receptions, which is fourth all time in Virginia history. Um, Brandon Armstrong was the quarterback. So he was able to really get him the ball. Um, I, I think we'll be able to do the same here at Nebraska. Uh, I don't want to say they force fed him the ball, but they got that ball, that guy, the ball a lot. You know, he's not the most physically imposing guy. He's about five, nine, 170 pounds. Um, but here's the thing. He has a knack for getting open, especially out of the slot position or the backfield. You know, being in the slot, you don't have to worry about press coverage from an outside corner. Um, so that's that's something that really benefits him um, at, at, at Virginia thus far. Uh, he's a savvy route runner and receiver. He's able to find the, the soft spots in his zone, which an experienced guy, someone that's played as much football as he has, that's what you want. You want a guy that can pick apart a defense and pretty much – like I said, find those soft spots. Not every receiver has that ability to be able to read a defense and be able to sit in an open spot because in zone defenses, there's always an open spot. It just depends where it is. For instance, a cover two defense, you've got your corners playing flats. You've got your safeties playing your deep halves. So your, your soft spot in that zone is between the safety and the corner. That's why a, a, a good out route is it. You know, or I shouldn't say an out route, but there's there's a few routes that you can pick apart a cover two with. Same thing with every defense. So he's a guy that can really read a defense well. Um, once again, he's five nine, but his ability to high point a ball is pretty damn incredible. You know, you usually don't picture a five nine guy being able to jump out of the building, but He's been able to do some really good things by high point net ball. Um, and he's got soft hands. You know, he's a guy that his, his route running is, is pretty polished. Now, granted, he's a 60-year guy, so he's had a lot of experience in college. He's kind of exactly what you want at Nebraska right now. We don't have really any proven guys in that receiving room. So that's he's kind of a guy that I think steps in and will be an immediate – um, impact player in that position room. So I know I said he's lined up at receiver, but he's also lined up in the backfield quite a bit. Uh, he's lined up at all receiver spots. And th like I said, they, they, he's such a versatile guy that they've found ways to get the ball into his hands. That's, that's, that's what we want in this offense, which is I've heard from players and we've heard a lot of coaches say it. it's more of a positionless offense with positionless players. One thing that Virginia did very well and Nebraska fans must be very or are very uh, familiar with this, the tunnel screen. 
Well, his ability to read a block and make the right decision as far as cutting up inside or cutting outside of his blocker, it's going to be a welcome addition to this offense because it's, it's honestly what they've been lacking. Um, you know, a guy that's able to read that properly. Now, granted, we haven't had the guys that have been able to block it either. So, um, you know, he's a guy that I'm excited for. His last season at Virginia, he, here's his stat line. 74 receptions, 725 yards, and six touchdowns. That's, I mean, you're, you're catching 74 balls in a season, 192 receptions in his career. He got better year after year after year. Um, his versatility and his experience are the biggest assets. I do see him committing to Nebraska, and I do see him being a big-time player this season for the Huskers. So I'm excited for him. Uh, Billy Kemp, the fourth, keep an eye out for him. I would expect he's going to be committing here soon. Um, moving on to, to the next one, which is going to be a, a lineman, um, Walter Rouse. Now, he is a six-foot-six bookend with incredible accolades to his name from his entire career. He's an incredibly intelligent individual. Um, he's a 39-game starter for Stanford in the Pac-12. He played in 40 games total. Now, getting an experienced guy like this on the open market does not happen. It's incredibly tough. And these guys are treated like gold because of there's just not that many out there. Usually when you have a lineman, you keep him. But we're, we're seeing a little bit more movement with the transfer portal. Now, Stanford the last few years hasn't been what they were in the past under David Shaw and even Jim Harbaugh. But the offensive line development of Stanford hasn't, hasn't stopped. Um, actually, the left tackle for the Jacksonville Jaguars was the kid that Walter Rouse um, replaced at his freshman year, uh, Walker Little. There's actually a great video on YouTube about Walter Rouse and just his, his family and how involved they are and everything with his life. And, you know, he's a phenomenal kid. He, it's a six or seven minute video. If you have time, YouTube Walter Rouse. And it's, uh, it, it, it talks about his family, talks about his, his, his upbringing. Uh, he's just a very level-headed kid who's, who's extremely impressive and very well, really polished. Um, but he's also a very fluid athletic kid who's got a knack for keeping the quarterback clean. We haven't had that here at Nebraska in quite some time. Um, it's one of the biggest things they've been missing is, is a staunch left tackle that could keep that quarterback's backside clean. I haven't had it. Um, he's also a biomechanical engineering major from Stanford. Let me repeat that one more time a biomechanical engineering major from Stanford. Stanford, incredibly difficult university to get into. And Stanford has also been a pipeline to the NFL. I have no doubt in my mind that he is going to make a tremendous impact here in the Big Ten. So going back to his freshman year, he is the second true freshman to start at left tackle since 2000, which that alone is pretty crazy. Um, he's also a finalist for the Walter V. Campbell Award, which is pretty much like the academic Heisman. Um, so he's an, a great player on the field, but he's great in his community as well. The, the amount of, uh, you know, volunteering and just his ability to, 
make his community better it is phenomenal. And, and I don't think that should be overlooked. Um, anytime you can get a guy like that into your locker room, it just sets up your culture. And culture is something I'm going to go into a little bit later on as well. I know we usually hate that word, but just with some of the hires and different things that Matt Rule and staff have done, I think it's something that we need to revisit in a good way for once. So taking everything into account, he's a multiple-time preseason all-Pac-12 lineman and was also on the senior bowl and shrine bowl watch list. Right now, it seems like his recruitment is between Iowa and Nebraska. Right now, Iowa's a slight lean. Um, I do think Nebraska will win out on this one. I know that sounds like I'm being a homer, but I just feel like what Rule and company have going on, and, and even with Riola, I feel like everything is setting up for a big-time transfer portal that will make immediate impacts. I do have uh, – I'll talk about Micah Mazuka um, in just a few minutes, but I want to talk about one of the most exciting athletes on th- that, that came in for a visit. So Malik Hornsby, if you've gotten a chance to watch his highlights or, or some video on him, damn, this kid is just incredibly athletic. So – He was a quarterback wide receiver from Arkansas. He made the visit a few weeks back um, to Nebraska for his official. Now, it's been radio silent with him since. Um, There were a few other teams that were making a strong push for him. I know University of uh, Las Vegas, UNLV, was making a strong push for him. Same thing with um, Baylor. Baylor was another one that was making a big push for him. So it came down to UNLV, Baylor, and then Nebraska. Those were the big three that we're really looking at Malik Hornsby now. And, and I put in my notes here that by the time I'm going to be uh, reading this, because his announcement will be today. He's going to be announcing uh, today, which is the eighth on Instagram. I'm not sure exactly when, um, but I know he will be announcing today. So what I said was by the time he announces, or by the time we're doing this podcast, he'll already be a Husker. I uh, I didn't plan on doing this at 1130 in the morning either, but it is what it is. So the scouting report on him, his ability to flat out beat people to speed and ability to stop on a dime in the SEC is incredibly fun to watch. I'll put it like this. In the SEC, he was able to outrun guys who had angles on him, which is not easy to do. His speed is, I won't say it's world-class, but his speed is absolutely incredible, and his acceleration is very good as well. So he's six foot two, 210 pounds. And he, with his frame, he does have the ability right now to take shots um, at his current size, and, not, and he does not back down from contact. He's a guy that will lower his shoulder and go right to a defender. Uh, it's not necessarily what you want from your quarterback, but he's got the ability to do it. So I know we all remember Taylor Martinez and and his speed um, and his ability to break a game open. Um, I think a lot of us remember the Kansas State game, um, the Wisconsin run. I mean, those are a few of the ones that really just kind of stick out for me just off the top of my head. He, I'm going to say he's in the ballpark with his ability to take off from a dead stop and outrun guys. Now, here's the difference between Malik Hornsby and Taylor Martinez. Not Adrian, Taylor. His ability to have lateral movement. Taylor Martinez had no lateral movement. Straight line, fastest kid on the field. 
But when it came down to um, the lateral movement, he he had none of it, which made him a little bit of a liability if we're going to be honest in the run game. So I think he's a little bit more of a dynamic athlete than Taylor was, and I'm very excited for it. So I, a lot of people ask me, what is he coming to Nebraska as? Because if you go to On3, which On3 is the best um, recruiting website that there is, if you haven't already subscribed to On3, they've got Sipple, they've got my guy um, Munson, they've got a ton of great writers. So giving those guys a shout out because they're phenomenal at, at what they do. Um, they are two of the best in the industry. So I would recommend going to On3 and subscribing. I know right now that there's a, they're still doing a special one. So if you can capitalize on it, it's a ton of information. It's, it's great. Um, but getting back to it, you know, he wants the ability to, let me go back. He's coming to Nebraska as an athlete. So he wants the ability to learn the quarterback position. But he's also said that he's he's fine playing the wide receiver position as well, which is where he's listed at on three. He's listed as a wide receiver. Um, I, with that quarterback room, the way it is, I think we're going to see a lot of it. We're going to see some attrition because if Hornsby comes in at the quarterback spot, I believe that will be six um, scholarship quarterbacks on roster. Casey Thompson will be out until spring, actually past spring with the shoulder surgery. Um, you know, there being Jeff Sims, the de facto starter, because he's the healthy guy at this point. Um, I do think Hornsby is going to get a lot of chances to learn the quarterback spot. And if, if you guys remember um, Antoine Randall L from, from the Steelers and played it at um, Indiana back in the day, very athletic specimen at quarterback. Um, his ability to make plays with his arms and legs was impressive at Indiana and even showed it in the NFL. So I kind of think that's that's where Hornsby is going to fall into the ability to learn the quarterback position, but playing um, wide receiver. Uh, he could be your third quarterback on the depth chart once everything comes to fruition. Um, I, I just I'm, I'm really excited for him. Um, what he brings to the table. Nebraska hasn't had anything like that in a while. A guy that can play a couple spots dynamically. And I think this is what Rule and staff are really um, gearing toward with their recruiting classes. You can tell that that's what they want. They want athletic guys on the roster that they can mold. And I'm here for it. This is what you want. You want this coaching staff to be completely comfortable with the guys that they've got on roster. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to completely flip the roster. There's, there's plenty of guys on this roster that can definitely fit into their system and do what they want to do. Um. You know, like I said, he's open to playing wide receiver as well as another position, but he wants a shot at quarterback. Antoine Randall L is the comparison that I give him. I'm excited to see what Hornsby does. He will be committing today, so be on the lookout for that. Going to the other big ugly that I want to talk about, Micah Mazuka. So he is a gigantic offensive lineman who visited this past weekend. Um, he is in Florida as well. Um, and he, he visited Auburn, Nebraska, and now Florida. He In 2022, he was a starter at left guard for the Bears, Baylor Bears. 
If you know anything about Aranda, that's one thing that they've really built that team on, a strong offensive line play, not turning the ball over and not shooting themselves in the foot. He played over 700 snaps for the Bears, and he graded out in the high 70s on PFF or Pro Football Future, I believe it is. Um, that's not easy for an offensive lineman to do. That means he's a pretty damn good offensive lineman. Now, for reference, Nebraska had multiple games where starters on the offensive line graded out in the 50s and below. There were even some games where they graded out in the 20s and 30s. The average on PFF for an offensive lineman is in the 60s. Let me repeat that one more time. The average score for an offensive lineman is in the 60s. So if you're playing in the 70s or above, you're pretty solid to good offensive linemen. Now, breaking down him, he's a big-bodied individual who has played in the Big 12. He's been a great run blocker. If he gets his hands on you, it's done. He's gonna. It's a pancake, most likely. He's going to drive you into the ground. Now, watching his high school film as well, he's the biggest kid out there. He was able to impose his well on guys, which is great. That's what you want. Um, he was a three-star prospect which doesn't mean shit. You can mold a three-star into the to an NFL starter. You see it all the time. Now, um, run blocking, great. His pass blocking needs a little bit of brushing up on, but here's the thing. This is his first, first year starting. Now, I said he, he uh, took over 700 snaps as the left guard starter for Baylor. It was damn near a 50-50 split between run and pass. So, as the season went on, he did get better. It's just an experience thing and a technical thing at this point. And honestly, redshirt is freshman year. I can live with a guy that can do that. If you are an offensive lineman, you're getting better and better and better each snap in each game. That that's all you can that's all you can expect. Now, I think the bodies that are coming in are something a little bit closer to what Riola can work with, and will be a change for the better. You know, you want your lineman to have mobility. You want your lineman to have flexibility. You want your lineman to be able to move. Not just forward and backward, very important, but also lateral movement. You've seen how these guys were so stiff. It was like, I, I have broken this down many a time with the strength and conditioning program. Then I don't mean to throw anybody under the bus when I'm saying this, but I'm just giving you the honest truth on what I'm seeing. As someone that's trained people for a long time and, and, and trained athletes as well, the way that they were training wasn't conducive to building a, an athletic guy. It was built toward making a guy cock diesel strong and looking in, in that when they come off the bus, that's what you want them to look like. You want them to look like the badass dude that's built like a brick shit house and, you know, looks like Adonis. And in the first quarter, we played great. But it was when it came to the second half and the third quarter and the fourth quarter, you've seen these guys really getting worn down. And that goes to your strength and conditioning. Um, that, that's one of the biggest things that was of concern for me with, with how these guys were being trained. Huge concern. But we're getting away from that with Corey Campbell – I'm very excited for what he's going to do. Um, you know, we, we, they've added quite a few guys that are analysts 
and, and, and GAs on staff as well. We're going to get into that a little bit more, but you know, I'm excited for, for how this staff is being built. And also going back to the offensive line, we're seeing the bodies completely different. We're no longer recruiting a six foot 10 guy and I'm not throwing Hyder into the bus or throwing a player into the bus. It's hard to have an athletic six foot 10 guy. If you're not going to train them to be athletic, if you're running to train them to be a stiff guy or a stiff athlete, which is what we've seen, that's that's what you're getting. My, um, Micah Mazuka is a six foot five guard who has good mobility, which is something Nebraska has been severely lacking the past few seasons. Now, let me break this offensive line for, down for you on what we could possibly be seeing. You could have Mazuka at one guard spot. You could have Ben Scott at another guard, at the center spot. You could have Rouse at a tackle spot. You could have Noreen Nuelli at the other guard spot, who will be back this year. And if healthy, you could see Teddy Prohaska at the right at the right tackle spot, which I think may fit him a little bit better. If he's healthy, if you were able to get all these guys, the biggest thing would be that right tackle spot. Who can you get at that right tackle spot? Um, are you able to get an upgrade at that right tackle spot? Which for me at this point is pretty hard to, not to do. Um, you know, with him not committing to Nebraska on the spot, completely understand it. Young man, take your visits. You want to be able to see everything and make the most informed decision for yourself. That being said, I think we got Mazuka as well. I think Rouse and Mazuka have, I won't say already committed, but I feel like that we've got Mazuka and, and, and Rouse. So, I haven't gotten a chance to talk about this guy yet. Let's talk about Jeff Sims for a minute here. Or much longer than a minute, but that's okay. It'll be it'll be a good breakdown on him, I think. So he's a guy that he's a transfer from Georgia Tech. Um, he's a guy that as soon as he hit the transfer portal, Matt Rule said, ooh, I want him. I want him at the, as the transfer quarterback in Nebraska. That's not me saying that. That is directly from Matt Rule. So let's start with his arm. Kid's got a, kid's got a rocket launcher for an arm. Um, he can make every throw. He can make any and every throw that you'll want a, a quarterback to make, okay? That is when he's got time to set his feet. He can hit guys anywhere on the field. But he wasn't always put in the best spot with his teams at Georgia Tech. Now, I don't want to make excuses for the young man. He's a three-year starter. He started for three years under Jeff Collins, who actually coached under Matt Rule previously. Matt Rule consulted with Collins about the quarterback and couldn't be more excited. And, and honestly, I couldn't be more excited to see what this young man is going to be able to do underneath this staff. So I know I said he, he's got the arm. He's got the feet as well. The kid is a dynamic athlete. With that being said, I don't think it would be fair to only give one side of the story, especially with quarterbacks in the past. You know, we, we've seen a lot of things, and sometimes it doesn't necessarily turn out the way we want it to as Nebraska fans. I think a lot of that goes to the, the, the previous staff and the quarterback coaches or lack thereof. But – my concerns about this young man are his highest completion percentage mark was 
I think a lot of that comes to, you know, by forcing the ball into coverage and not being able to set his feet, therefore not having proper mechanics. He's also got a bit of an injury history with not finishing the last two campaigns due to injury. The last full year that he played was his freshman year, which was 2020. So a little bit of concern there, but here's the thing. I don't see any of his injury concerns or injuries that he's had in the past being something that's going to be nagging or lingering. Um, So that's something to note, but he has been dinged in the past. So it's something that as a Nebraska fan, you have to be concerned about at least to some degree. But once again, it's it's not anything that I see in being see be, being a lingering injury. Now, one thing that isn't being mentioned is the lack of success at Georgia Tech was for the fact that he took over for Jeff Collins or Jeff Collins took over after Paul Johnson. If you followed Paul Johnson's career from Navy and, and Georgia Tech, he was a flex bone, triple option, option based guy. That's one of the biggest things that I think is not being discussed is the switch from that type of offense to a spread offense is usually a three to four year transition. Granted, I mean, that's part of the reason that we've seen such bad numbers out of this young man. It's a three to four year transition. You have to retool the entire offense from the way that the body types are on the offensive line to their responsibilities to what they need to accomplish. Um, you know, you even have to transition the body types at quarterback, their positions or their responsibilities, excuse me, and what they're going to do. There's a big difference between running an option offense and running a spread offense. I don't feel like that needs to be said, but I'm saying it anyway. Huge, huge difference. And honestly, it puts whoever is in that transition at a tremendous disservice, which is where he was. You know, and, and going to your wide receiver spots, huge difference between a blocking wide receiver and a wide receiver who actually is running routes. Those are just some of the little differences that aren't being discussed, but it kind of is what it is. Thompson is going to be out for spring with the shoulder surgery. I think the job is, is Sims to lose at this point. His ability to run the ball, which is what something that Matt Rule wants and Satterfield wants, his, able, his ability to throw the ball anywhere on the field, I, plus the, the, the majority of snaps he's going to be taking in spring and offseason ball, I think are going to give him the leg up. And honestly, I feel like he's going to steal the starting job. And maybe steal isn't the correct word, but I think he is going to be the starter when the season comes around. I feel like Casey Thompson will be the backup there. Um, I feel like he's going to get a fair shot. It's just the injuries keeping him out. So Casey Thompson proved what kind of quarterback he was last year when he had the time to throw the ball. He's a guy that can take a punch to the mouth, get back up and ask for more, which we've seen a shit ton from him. I'm not questioning Casey Thompson's toughness at all. I'm questioning a little bit of his fit in this offense, but this offseason, they already had the conversation, him, his dad and rule or Satterfield, excuse me. So they know what the offense is planning to look like. For him to come back tells me that he feels like he's got a fighting chance in this race. And you know what? This may be the first actual quarterback controversy or, you know, um, quarterback race we've seen in quite some time. 
you can't even say that the Adrian Martinez Gebbia debate back in the day was, was, was a fair race. You feel like it was geared toward Martinez regardless. And Martinez was, was the better athlete. Let's be honest. Gebbia recruited by Mike Riley didn't necessarily fit what Scott Frost wanted to do. Not trying to beat a dead horse, but we also don't know what Scott Frost wanted to do because Scott Frost didn't know what he wanted to do. Um, so getting off that and, you know, hopefully the last time I have to talk about that, this may be the first actual quarterback race we've seen in a while. So getting pretty excited for it. Um, I think it's going to be a fun off season for these guys. Um, I think the um, the quarterback race, and I think every spot on the roster may be up for grabs at this point. It, it's going to be a fun off season. So just kind of hunker down, Husker fans. We're going to get good news starting today with Hornsby. So just hunker down and enjoy the ride. So I've talked about a lot of the transfers that are coming in and who came by this weekend and different things like that. I really want to talk about the, the, the culture and the staff that's being built. And also I want to quote something from uh, Parker um, at P A R K underscore N E B. If you're not following Parker on Twitter, give that man a follow. He's an incredible follow. Great dude. Puts out great Nebraska stuff, but I want to read something before I get into the, before I get into the analysts and different things like that. This is Coach Rule's culture, per Josh Fleeks, which is also the wide receiver transfer from Baylor, who statistically had his best year when he played under Matt Rule. I'm excited for that as well. But here's what it is. Eat correctly. Nutrition. Nutrition is a huge part of building a good athlete. If you're not eating correctly, you're not giving your body the fuel that it needs, call it a day. What you do and put into your body is just as important as the workouts that you're doing. The next one, study correctly. Not only football, which is knowing your responsibilities, knowing the playbook, knowing where you need to be at all times. Not just that, but school. So not only being a good athlete, but being a good scholar. Let's not forget that these are student athletes. So the most important thing is, if you're not academically eligible, you can play. So it doesn't matter how well you know the playbook. Something I think has been really missing. Interacting with others correctly. Now that could mean a bunch of different things, but here's how I take that. Don't be an asshole. Be a good person. Be a decent person. Treat others the way that you want to be treated. I know that this is mind-breaking mind stuff, but it's the little things. The little things go a lot further than the big things when you think about it. These are things that we've been missing in this university. The next two, no hats, no jewelry. I get that. I rock a little bit of jewelry, a watch, no big deal, and then my ears, and then my nose. So if Coach Rule were to come to me, because apparently I just got hired and said, hey, hype man, you got to take all that shit off. I say, okay, Coach, digging into the culture. Also, no hats. You know, I, I think what this comes down to is you don't want someone to think that they're bigger and more important than the team. The team all goes together. Everybody's going in the same direction. I hate using this phrase, but someone used it on me yesterday. Everybody is rowing the boat the same direction. So I think that's what's necessary. And then the last thing, no falling asleep in school or football. If you're falling asleep in school or football, 
those must not be high priorities for you. Something else must be taking your time away from what your priorities are. Get it figured out. So those are a few things that per Parker, uh, per Josh Fleeks, um, that I really want to read off because I think that's important to what the culture is going to be doing. Now, getting to what we've seen on the staff, we've seen numerous analysts and graduate assistants brought in with this coaching staff. I, for one, absolutely love what this coaching staff is doing because they're bringing in guys that are experienced that have either played under this coaching staff or these coaches or coached with them previously. The quickest way to flip a culture is to get everybody pulling and preaching the same thing and going in the same direction. With the entire staff on the same page and not getting into pissing matches on who's leading the team or who's preaching what, you'd be amazed at how quickly things can start to change. You can tell the staff wants to be here. And and going back to my previous sentence for a quick second, there were multiple times where we hear rumors and, and I don't mean to bring up rumors, but I'm going to for a second, just because I think it shows you how discombobulated the previous staff was. You heard rumors of previous offensive line coaches and head coaches getting into screaming matches after games in the tunnel. You heard the offensive coordinator and the head coach getting into pissing matches on what plays are going to be called. You heard the head coach not speaking to his defensive coordinator for weeks on it. Don't know if those are true, but things I've heard. That's not good. That's not good. Your your team can instantly pick up on that. And now it's this this side versus this side. Are you a are you this guy or are you a this guy? No, that's not how you build a collective and that's not how you build a winning team. You don't hear shit like that going on at um Alabama or Georgia. You don't hear any of that. So if you want to get to that level or at least be in the ballpark of some of these great teams, fix you first. Fix what's going on inside those walls and everything that happens outside those walls is not a problem at that point. So you can tell the staff really wants to be here with the level of interaction and the guys that they're bringing in and just, I'm going to go back to the interaction with the way that they are with fans and they're putting things out there. They, you can tell that they want to be fully ingrained in this culture. It's just, you can tell that they want to be here. They want to be the reason for the success of this program and the changes. The amount of work at every level is just what's needed for the losing mentality of this program and to turn the page. No, I'm not saying succeeding in the offseason is going to necessarily mean that you're going to win 15 games next year or even 10 games next year or eight games next year. But what I'm saying is, is it gets you to another level, flipping the page, getting rid of the losing mentality bullshit that we've all been ingrained that we have to accept. Things change all the time. Let's not forget. Now, Grant, this is an extreme example, but you had Tulane who was 10 or two and 10 last year. This year, they just beat USC. I believe it was in the Cotton Bowl and finished up 12 and two. Don't tell me a, a quick change can't happen. Am I expecting that? No, I want to give this this staff enough time to be successful, and I won't put a number on what is success last year. We all know the number for success for Scott Frost was six. They couldn't get to it. It is what it is. That's why he's no longer here. But what Matt Rule said, and this is something that's stuck in my little brain since he said it, Matt Rule himself said, 
they better watch out if we ever get a brand on our chest. Nebraska is a national brand. I don't care. I will have that argument to the end of time. Nebraska is still a national brand. Nebraska is still a blue blood program. Have they gone through, let's see, two bad coaching hires? Yep, they sure have. The last good coaching hire that you could say that they did was Pelini. His tenure at the end wasn't so great, but it is what it is. Um, I feel like he was kind of wearing out his welcome at the end there, but they went polar opposite with Riley, and then they went with the hometown kid and Frost. Matt Rule recognizes how powerful having that Nebraska N on your chest is and how powerful it is representing this university and how much people want to be here. You, you, you have to recruit kids, okay, because it's a very competitive environment out there. But when you get an offer from Nebraska, it's still different. It still means something. And the one thing that I'm so happy that this staff is doing is they're no longer taking local kids for granted, which previous staffs have done. They said that, hey, if you get offered by Nebraska, you should just be happy to be here. You should be happy to get an offer from us. You should accept it without us having to do any recruiting on you. That's the reason that they've lost so many local kids, ladies and gentlemen. That's the same reason that they haven't had shit in Texas the last few years, because they haven't cared to do it. If you don't try to recruit a kid locally, because the talent in, in, in Omaha, Nebraska, in Lincoln, and locally here just in the state of Nebraska, and you can even go to the 500-mile radius, is miles above where it was 15 years ago. It is miles above it because there's transplants all over the country in this, in this city and in this state. And in this 500-mile radius, they haven't tried to get these kids. Because once again, we're in Nebraska. We offered you. You should be happy to be here. Absolutely not. I'm a four-star player. And I've got all these all these other schools around the country recruiting me and lining up to get me. Tr- recruit the kids locally like you re- would recruit a national recruit. And I guarantee you get them every time. Most of the time. Going to Texas. The staff hasn't tried. Let's let's just call that what it is. The staff has not tried. The last time that they tried was when they had Applewhite and they stole um, A.J. Allen from TCU. When you've got guys that want, want to recruit that state, look, look what you get. The, the amount of athletes that are down in Texas, they've got thousands upon thousands. You're going to tell me that not a one of them wanted to come to Nebraska? Get the fuck out of here. No way at all. So they've brought in athletes on both sides of the ball. And that's impressive. And high-level athletes coming off yet another losing season. Now, I don't expect everything to be a smooth transition. You're going to see a lot of attrition on the roster still. You, You need to because you have to make spots available for guys that are going to come in and contribute. Now, the good thing is what we have on roster. There's already plenty of guys that would be, that I guess, hybrid players at certain spots. I'm going to name one, Buddha Wright. Because I think Buddha Wright is a guy that fits exceptionally well in a 3-3-5 with his body type. Another one, uh, you know, it's a, it's a kid I talk to quite a bit on the offensive side of the ball, Emmett Johnson. I could see Emmett Johnson doing a, a slot back role where he's playing running back and wide receiver, but he's such a dynamic athlete that you want to get him on the field. 
Here's the spots I expect to see some attrition after spring ball. Quarterback, receiver, running back, and defensive back. I think we'll see more attrition as it goes. I think the next time the window really opens up, which will be after spring ball, I think that's when you'll see a lot of attrition. And when I say a lot, I could say maybe five to ten guys because you need those spots opened up. Um, the staff's shown the ability at previous stops to get the most out of their players, and they've got familiarity with each other. So there's, there's not that wild card factor that we've seen with the previous staff, which was a last-ditch effort to save a job. Trev himself said that he's going to give a coach every opportunity to succeed, and they did that with Frost. They, give him the, they gave him the chance to hit the nuclear button, to clear out an entire staff, and whatever guys he cleared out, they gave him – the resources to replace them with higher level guys. Problem is, if you've never worked with each other before, how you don't know how things are going to be when you're in, in the battle together. You don't know how this guy's going to re- interact and how this guy's going to interact. Unfortunately, Narduzzi was right. So Narduzzi was right about Whipple. Very staunch, um, stubborn old man who did what he's done his entire career. I guess we can't expect, a, a, you know, to teach an, an old dog new tricks. I've heard a lot of complaints about this. This staff is young. This staff is hungry, though. This staff is moving the way the rest of college football is, which is younger. It's a youth movement. Remember, just because you haven't heard of a coach or a coach is young doesn't mean they aren't a good coach or can't help a team succeed. At the coordinator spots, you've seen Satterfield, White, and Foley. All are very experienced coaches, with Foley being a previous head coach. So you've got guys that are experienced coordinators. Here's the thing. The position guys underneath them are a bit younger. That's true. Can't argue that. But if you think about it, your coordinators coach your position coaches, your position coaches coach your players. I want my position coaches to be able to make that connection to these players and having younger guys on the roster and in the staff, I think is, will, will help with that. I think it's going to help out a lot. If the message is being clearly communicated to your players and the expectations are clearly laid out, I don't think we have much of a problem. Having a clear message and everyone going in the same direction is something this university and program have been missing for some time. And I think Matt Rule and company is the staff to get this program back on solid footing where it should be and beyond. Now, kind of cool. You know, there was there was another addition today that we had seen. Um, And and I'm actually pulling him up right now because I want to go through his 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 history and. You know, like I said, we look just alike. So I got to give my brother here some kudos. Uh, Josh Bringul. God, I, I probably butchered that. I'm so sorry, but it is what it is. Sorry, my man. So four-year playing career um, and, and a student assistant coach at San Diego University, San Diego State University. Um, he was added by a defense, as a defensive graduate assistant by head coach Dino Babers prior to the 21 season, which that means he worked with Tony, Tony White previously. He was also a defensive line and linebacker for the Aztecs as a player. He assisted with the Syracuse linebackers, and he also served as a special teams coordinator um, in their game against Colorado, uh, November 28th of 2020. 
He coached the all um, all Mountain West linebacker Caden McDonald, and also he was part of the uh, 2016 Mountain West team that won a, uh, a Mountain West championship. So he's a guy that once again has experience with Tony White. Um, I, I'm excited for what they're going to be able to do with that linebacker spot because if you had gotten a chance to read something I posted a little bit earlier today from Steve Sipple, um, you know it's. It's exciting the way that they're looking at this roster. And and real quick, and then I'll kind of cut bait here um, and let everyone kind of get on with their day. But something that Tony White said, he said, it's funny. You talk about a coaching change and you often watch film and say, these guys aren't very good. But when you're watching this team play, they play their butts off and they have some talent there. Here's the biggest thing that he said that made my heart just jump a beat. For me, it's making sure that everybody is on the same page and that everybody knows what they're playing for. That's the biggest thing that helped us at the last school. When we all saw things the same way and we all knew what we were fighting for, it made us more difficult to stop. He's talking about his defense at Syracuse, which by his time of finishing there, first year he took over, it was in the 110s. Second year was in the... I believe 70 to 90, somewhere in there. And then his final year was in the top 30 as a defensive coordinator. To me, that tells me he knows what he's doing. And then Satterfield. I love what Satterfield says. Well, we're going back to the fullback. Just because you have a fullback doesn't mean that you're going three yards in the cloud of dust. You can have an H-back motion into the backfield. It's just another guy to help block that scheme. Or it's another guy that can leak out of the backfield. Just because you've got a fullback doesn't mean you're going to the Iowa model or the Wisconsin model, which has been a pretty successful model for them. But Satterfield, though, sounds convincing when he says, we're going to run the ball. Everything's going to start with winning the line of scrimmage and running the ball. All the different throws and play actions come off running the ball. And here's the biggest thing that I took away from him. Another quote, in order to win this league, you've got to be tough. You've got to be blue collar and you've got to win the line of scrimmage. And that's where our offense starts. Huge difference from coming in to this Big Ten and saying Big Ten is going to have to adjust to us. Huge difference. I'm glad this coaching staff realizes what they need to do to be successful. I'm very excited for it. So everybody, that's that's what I got for today. I'm, I'm so um, happy that you all joined me. Um, through podcasts and live streams and different things like that. Got a lot of really cool things coming. Um, stay tuned. Um, expansion is what I'm, what I'm getting at. So buckle up. It's going to be a fun year for Oscar football. It's going to be a fun year for Church of the Corn. Um, other than that, thank you guys all so much. I appreciate it. Have a great, safe rest of your day. Horns and bees in. Have fun, guys. Members of the congregation, let's raise our Kool-Aid-filled glasses and drink to all the things that were, are, and forever will be Nebraska Cornhuskers. Go Big Red.